All right, girls, it's time to blow on that hot comb while you laying down them edges because the ninth episode of Ghost Light begins now. now. on two separate audio tracks cause listen my girl <laughs> I feel like you do this on purpose you enjoy me just falling to the side and being slain in the spirit that's why you be saying that crazy shit I mean we have been there like Take please please go on a hot comb the hot comb <laughs> and lay down you're, you know what? I'm just, I still don't know why anybody listens to this raggedy ass show. I don't either, cause they all, we ain't nothing but a whole bunch of fools. This is awful. I just anyway, um, introduce yourself to me. What up, y'all? My name is Mara Williams, and I'm Elena Walton, and welcome back to Ghost Light Illuminating Black Artists, where yeah. we analyze plays written by Black playwrights. Yeah. This is made for you by you by us hello uh, all right elena how have you been these past couple weeks yeah let's get right to you how <laughs> are you girl um, garbage like hot hot smelling garbage well, i have moved again for since we have started the podcast just not even this year but since we have started the podcast i have moved one two three whole times um it is hot, smelly garbage, but we are here. Bless we are it. happy to be here. I am here. I am queer. I'm ready to start my podcasting career. You better come on. <laughs> you better give us some bars. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm happy that, come you know. On, I am here and ready for my podcast career. Okay. I'm, I'm glad that we're, that we're back um, on the wagon, that we are... This kind of holds me down, keeps me whole, so I'm glad that we're here. And same as now I'm about to roll it back to you. How are you? Oh, so you're gonna make me answer this question. Okay. Um, no, all jokes aside, um, I'm fine. It varies day to day. Um, I got my highs and my lows. I got mm-hmm. a whole bunch of stuff done. Um over the past few days, it's been a little hectic with trying to get some things done, um, you know. But hey, we're here, and it's it's all gonna be all right. It's all gonna work out. We're here with y'all, ready to talk about this sad ass play that Mariah chose. But we're gonna get into that later because right now it's time for the morning announcements. Yeah, there y'all yes. go. Is that it? I- what? Hello. Listen, improv sound bite. And I know y'all were here for every moment. And if not, lie to me. Okay. <laughs> Do we want to go with garbage? Or are we going to lean it? Because we, we're keeping it short and sweet um, this week, y'all. Because this play, we have a lot um, we want to discuss. So we're not going to play around. Um, right. Because we, okay, so how do you want to do this? Do we want to do... Um, let, we only have three things, so how about you go first, and then I'll do mine. Trash or positivity? You, do your last one. you decide. Uh, 
we're gonna probably end with garbage so let's just i let's let's start with positivity all right i'm in a good mood and then i'm ready to get pissed off later all right fabulous okay so the wonderful wonderful news today that um we have to share with you all brought to you by the internet and someone in new york who wants to who's actually listening when we say that it's not enough for you to just give us black playwrights or you know black producers which we do want not enough black producers those are nice but we want to see representation in administrative positions the people Mm -hmm. who go to the producers and um figure out who's gonna write the check and who's not and what's gonna be included in the canon and what's gonna go and you know what second stages has given it to us by making Queen Katie Kamara their new executive director. Yes. If I mispronounced your name, Queen, I apologize because I do not play games about mine. Um, but that is how it appears her name is pronounced. She was, um, prior to her new position, she was the managing director, longtime managing director of Arena Stage in Washington, D.C. And today, the day that this episode comes out, September 14th, she will be assuming her, you know, taking on her new role and doing all the things. And, um, yeah, she will be there full time as of January 4th. So she'll be stepping in on today, on today, September 14th. And then she will be all the way here with the things on January 4th. So we speak your name today, Queen. Can't wait to see what you're going to do over there. Getting them white folks in that boardroom together. Amen. Yes. And that's it. That's what I got. I love it. I love it. That was that was nice, clean, great positivity. And I hope that we start to see more turnover in Listen. these leadership positions. Because we are qualified, if not overqualified, for these positions to make these decisions to push the buttons that say go. Hello. And so I'm happy that somebody is doing the work but you know who's not doing the work um, <laughs> university programs mm. and um elena and i have had our own sets of issues when it comes to um learning and creating in white spaces especially in white educational spaces but i just wanted to give a shout out specifically to pace university um they had a protest on september 3rd and that so that was like the week after we um we posted our last episode um and that protest it was a very peaceful protest to call out the racism and the injustice against black and brown students at the pace university musical theater program which is one of the top musical theater programs in the nation indeed um just blatant ignorance from the professors that they're learning from um being very passive towards students um, thinking that women uh, should be one way in the musical theater world, thinking that a black performer in the musical theater world should be one way. And I don't like if you are if you call yourself a musical theater girl and you can't run from heaven to hell and back up again, then what are you doing? Like, oh, you can't just be you just can't be a pretty soprano or you can't just be a solid alto like you can't you have to 
you've got to have the, the runs. And so I just wanted to give a shout out to those students and know that we stand with you guys over here at Ghostlight. We know exactly what y'all are going through. We are in the process of trying to figure some stuff out with the school that we attended. Um, they have made their demands clear um, and they're not the first school to make demands against their, uh, well, to their faculty and staff members at these musical theater and theater programs, these BA, BFA programs, MFA programs. Honey. And I just want everybody to know that if you are a part of a arts program period and you don't believe that you have to put yourself aside to think of someone else and be sensitive to the people around you to be aware of your privilege when you are in certain situations as a faculty or staff member um, be aware of the words that come out of your mouth and the art that you create and the art that you are trying to make other students create you should not be in those positions because you are hurting the future generation of the performing arts and if the arts aren't constantly evolving then what are they doing you know what i'm saying and if they're not it. constantly getting better if they are not constantly working towards making a better and safer more joyful world then why are we here what are we doing listen and i just it's like and if you consider the history of theater, but I don't know why I'm shocked because if we, you know, when we look into, um, you know, small uh, subsets of any culture, um, there's always going to be some bullshit. So I don't right. understand why I, I guess because I love it so much that I expect more of a theater from theater and I hold it to a higher standard because, you know, let's 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 take it back. Let's look to let's go all the way back to the Greeks. Um, Thespians weren't respected. Mm-mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, thespians were not respected. And then we go on, you know, push a little f- uh, further. You Well, if we stay there, thespians weren't respected. They were usually, like, um, slaves or concubines or, you know, a number of things. And, you know, women didn't even... <laughs> Women weren't even considered fit until we got to the Middle Ages, like, way into the Middle Ages, girl, like, woo! And then, like, people were literally just on a on a bandwagon, like a legitimate bandwagon, carrying it from town to town, having shit thrown at them, weren't allowed to stay in certain places. You know, theater was the, the whole point of the theater is to be a welcome mat for a come one, come all, if you're a little different, if you got a little something extra going on, you know, whatever. We welcome all of you. And yet right. here we are. You know, I guess it's just that, like, with bullies, it's usually they have their own shit going on, so they just got to make somebody else feel smaller. So the white people were getting shat on by other white people, so they decided to turn around and shit on black people who try to enjoy the art form as well, aside from mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, racism. That's just... That part. And that was my very... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, clumsy way of trying to find some sort of explanation as to why 
we have to explain to y'all why all of this behavior is trash. Right. <sighs> Speaking of trash-ass white people who like to, you know, reap the benefits of our art and, you know, not pay us. Oh, um, so, y'all... Um, on the last episode, I talked about Matthew A. Cherry King Matthew and how his short, animated short, Hair Love, was getting mm-hmm. picked up by HBO Max and being developed into a full-on children's show. And we all clapped our hands and celebrated all of the black artists who were going to get a check. Um... Someone over, (laughs) clearly uh, someone over at Silvergate Media has been living under a rock because they decided, you know what, everyone is going up for this show about this black family and, you know, all things involved. We too should create a show about a black family. And we're going to pitch it to Nickelodeon, and it's going to be called Made by Maddie, and it's going to be great. They're going to be, you know, we're going to hop on this Representation Matters bandwagon without actually, you know, involving anyone of color, you know, black people specifically, because mm-hmm. um, I was about to go off on a, a, a tangent. God help me. Let's stay focused. <laughs> That's a the read about y'all trying to use BIPOC to you know uh, muddle to all, not say all, black to not say black and muddle all brown black and Asian and Native American people's issues into one big old pot and add water and stir is a read for mm-hmm. another day. Um, but yeah, they felt that though you know if they just you know put them on TV, it's fine. We don't need black writers. We don't need black animators or anything like that. And then, you know, to add insult to this awful injury, they decide, if you look at the pictures, the photos that have been released of still shots um, from Made by Maddie, to clearly and blatantly copy the animation style of hair love. We have a dad with dreads. We have mm-hmm. mom with an afro, and the daughter has a similar afro to the young, beautiful baby in Hair Love as well. Now, mm-hmm. some may try to argue, well, all black people got afro, but I don't understand the problem. But we're not oh, just talking. Face. Right. But we're not, because, girl, you know the Karens and the Charens and the Brads and the Chads were ready, like, mm, well, we just can't make y'all happy. Like, y'all say y'all want black people on TV. And I don't know why I'm making them all sound like, um, what's the well, lady? That's how they sound to me. What's the lady who cooked with a whole bunch of butter and trying to kill us all? Who got in trouble for Paul, saying nigger? Paula, Paula Dean. Dean. Yeah. I don't Racist know why they're, I don't know. Yeah. The one who called her restaurant workers niggers and didn't understand why she couldn't have a restaurant that mimicked a plantation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I'm making them all sound like Paula Dean, but yeah, y'all, y'all are out here, and you know we just try to make y'all happy, and you know we we voted for that Obama, and you know he was a very nice black man, and all we're trying to do is make y'all happy. If y'all just 
just take these chitlins and shut up. We okay. can all move forward. But no, um, yeah. So yeah, it's very clear and very blatant, blatant that they were copying the animation style. Um, and so, you know, they pitched this show to Nick Jr. Nick Jr. was like, yes, this all sounds great and announced it. But then Black Twitter got a hold of it and said, you know, one Absolutely of these not. things looks very much like something this black man made. And even Matthew Cherry, uh, Matthew A. Cherry came forward and was just like, mm, this all looks familiar. This, mm. I, too, uh, worked on um, an animated short that looks very much like this one. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't too long after, you know, Black Twitter, you know, pretty much told them where to go with this show, uh, that <laughs> Nickelodeon said, you know what, we're not going to do any of this. Y'all can keep it. And they recently announced that they're pulling it. And I say good for y'all for not falling into the trap of being um, dumb. And they told... My thing is, like, uh, Nick Jr. could have made him an offer. I mean, I know that, like... Yeah, they could have. The... The there's a bigger company that pitched it to Nick Jr., but Nick Jr. is yeah, well known, yeah. well paid, and they definitely could have slid some coins to where they belonged. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Nick Jr. almost well. I think that I think when they realized the fullness of the mistake that they made, mm-hmm. at least Nick Jr. had the common sense to be like, you know what. I'm sorry, uh, you know, this my was bad. not what we was trying to do. My bad, y'all. Mm-hmm. We just thought the show was cute. We thought the, the premise was good. We thought y'all would enjoy it. So, you know, we told them we would buy their little show. But uh, we see where the wind is blowing. We are so sorry to offend y'all. And they can keep all that shit. We agree. Right. Um, and, I, and that's why I stand. This is the same, but I'm not surprised. It's the same network that gave me as told by Ginger. So we know they know what the fuck's going on. But bottom line is, Silvergate, y'all tried it. I went to your website. I tried to see if there was at least one person of color anywhere involved. Your entire administrative team, the people who are doing the hiring and firing, white as, the, as a fresh fallen snow. So I mm. find it very, very hard to believe that you all had anything like any thought or consideration as to including someone who actually looks like the characters that you are attempting to flesh out um in the room so that so that um that's what i have uh, perfect i yeah pay us for our good work pay us for our art folks that is that is i feel like that is the minimum it's like I have done good work. I have why would you rip why would you why would you get frosted O's when you can get frosted flakes? Not you frosted know? O's. Bitch. No, I've had just about enough of you today, bad. Why would you get cereal in a bag when you can get cereal in a box? Not cereal in a bag. I'm just saying. I am so tired. But yeah, if y'all liked hair love that much, which I understand, I loved it. It was great. Um and it looks beautiful to boot um you all could have tapped that young man on the shoulder and said you know what we love your style and we would love to have you come over here and do a project for us i'm sure right. you would have been even happy if it to wasn't take the that same chair. hair love exactly no. even if it wasn't hair love over again even if it was like we love your style we want we want to give you the funds to develop a whole new show i'm sure he would have appreciated i'm that. sure he would have considering the fact that he spent umpteen amount of time on kickstarter just trying to get hair love made he would have loved okay. to have just made his art without having to worry about where the funds were going to come from but you know we digress right 
Well, that's all the garbage we have for this week. Boop. It was hot, it was smelly, and I'm glad we're taking it out. Hot, hot, and... Mariah, go ahead and give us a ding and talk about the plague, because I need to... I've had, I've had about enough of you, madam. Already? I just got, I'm just getting heated up. I am just getting heated up. So... Ding, ding, ding. All it. right, y'all. It is time to get into our play this week. It was you. my week. So I chose this wonderful, wonderful 90-minute piece called Abortion Road Trip. And it is written by playwright Rachel Lynette. Like, And Rachel Lynette, let me tell you what. <laughs> Rachel Lynette, just before we start, goes by the pronoun she, her, or they, them. Um, Rachel Lynette is a queer Afro-Latin. Afro-Latina playwright, director, and teaching artist. Um, reading their profile and their bio, Rachel Lynette is the theater maker that I strive to be, okay? Let me tell you about everything that's going on in, in this bio. Like, once again, go to sleep, dream about this resume. Go to sleep, dream about it, wake up, realize you gotta work harder. Hello? So... Um, all of her plays are dark comedies that center on queer people of color and how they attempt to navigate through the various complexities of their existence. Um, so her plays have been featured at Barrington Stage Company, Theater Lab, uh, Florida Studio Theater, Laughing Pig Theater Company, Capitol Repertory Theater, uh, the Kennedy Center Page to Stage Festival, Theater Squared, Equity Liberty Theater, Chicago, Talkback Theater, American Stage Theater Company, and Orlando Shakes Theater. Ooh, that is, that is just a few of them go um honors include kiroy's honorable mention in 2017 arkansas's arts arts council individual artist award in 2018 um they're the recipient recipient of the artist 360 grant in 2020 and her directing credits include sonnet for an old century by jose rivera it was self-produced in 2010 annabella emma by Lisa Damore, and that was at Northwest Arkansas Community College, Pride and Prejudice by Daniel K Kramer, and several of her own plays. Now, uh, we've told you guys multiple times that if you don't have a new new play exchange account, then like, why are you, Go what are you doing? Um, and just like some of the, some of the, um, the 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 titles of these plays um rachel and i also wrote uh elaine and i both we both recently read apologize apologies to lorraine hansberry you to august wilson yes. which is something that we didn't read for this uh podcast but we actually read recently so just um, go off go read also that. thoroughly loved Woo. definitely would love to be a part of that production in some way of course abortion road trip um just some of the titles of the of these plays, like Black Kitchen Sink. Um, one is called um, I'm Fucking Tired of Writing Plays About This. Yes! And, <laughs> I'm going to read that on my own the, time. The description is yet another police killing of a black person. Ooh. Yet another play about it. Be better. So these, in, I'm telling you, like... If you one is called like well-intentioned white people, which is on my uh, reading list for this weekend after we are done, yeah. because like if you haven't, like if you don't have a new play play exchange account, then like how are you keeping up with us? I understand that we do a good job of telling you what the plays are about, but like mm. there's nothing like reading these plays, and um, I love how like she like uh, she said they're dark comedies. 
and but they're talking about serious serious issues so oh <laughs> and i almost forgot the most important part theater maker yes they are and as of 2020 um, Rachel Lynette has started the Ra- Rachel Lynette Theater Company. Go mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the tagline, uh, which I just absolutely love because uh, I think that it's uh, what this play is about, um, what apologize, Apologies is about, and I'm assuming the other plays that I'm going to read are about, and is first we laugh, then we talk. And I that's, this play is the sugar... This play and her works are the sugar before the medicine. And I think that that is one of the most powerful ways to, and as in your artistry, to talk about hard issues. We've got to put comedy in there just for the sake of the actor themselves. But just so you can open up that audience so that they are able to uh, receive the information that you are trying to give. So, um... The Rachel Lynette Theater Company actually started in 2020. It is a fairly new theater company, but they are doing some amazing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of their staff is a uh, queer women of color, which you know I love. Um, and they're working to produce new works. There's classes. There's special events. Um, it is just amazing that Rachel Lynette is putting money where mouth is. Just a quick note, um, if you look on rachelanettheatercompany.org under the About tab, there's a note from Rachel Annette, and I was just like, I, the energy of them is just so amazing, and I, um, I think that Rachel Annette fully understands um, the intersectionality of their existence, and how that comes off in the world and also how to address it so that others can understand. So God bless uh, her for even bothering to try to for even bothering. She says uh, in one of her notes and the notes from her um, that self selfishly, she writes about 10 plays a year, which go off like honey, <gasps> go off. I have so many like unfinished pieces and I, I'm hoping that some of the classes, uh, that come from Rachel Lynette Theater Company or just in general will help me get those pieces fully developed. Um, so it's a very, it's a fairly new endeavor, which I'm super excited about, but they plan on um, raising funds and this theater company will be in full force by July, 2021. So please keep your eyes and ears peeled. Um, Rachel Lynette Theater Company.com. I actually also like, I think that Rachel Lynette is also in a couple of Facebook groups that you and I are both in. I believe Don't play these games with me. I believe they're in theater folks of color because that is actually how, you know, how uh, these Facebook page, pages that we're on yeah. um, and these blogs that you and I are on, people are always constantly asking for like, oh, are there some plays by people of color that we can look up? And I and so like, I'm constantly like, you want to play by people of color? Listen to our podcast. That. And that is actually how I saw them comment and say, oh, I just wrote Abortion Road Trip. You should check it out. And that is how you I ended up. You stop this. And that is how I ended up being like, Abortion Road Trip? Hmm. Let me go see if I can find it. Oh, it's super easy to find because we have this account. Holy crap, this is a huge, uh, amazing piece. Just recently for this play, um, the if you were using this piece for like protest art, um, then the the we the uh, the fees were waived from 
whenever it was posted to May 2020. So I really would love to see if anybody actually used them, used it as uh, protest art because <laughs> we'll get into it. Uh, it, it. This is like the staple of of what protest art is. So let's get into the play. Let's meet our players. Let's. I'm going to give you the rundown of what the play is about so that we can get into the nitty gritty because there is, I feel, you know, at the end, we always uh, close, close the hymnal so that we can read you a word. I think most of the play is going to, most of our discussion today is just going to be reading. It's definitely going to be that. It's definitely going to be that because there's one individual in this lineup who I can't wait to cuss out. I can't wait to cuss. I can't wait to cuss her out. I just want to like, okay, so. Let's let's get into it. So we here are our characters. We have Lexa, who's 25, not white. We have Minnie, who's 28, not white. We have the driver, who's in their early 30s, white. We have Quinn, late 20s, Minnie's girlfriend, any race. We have Mom, who is Lexa and Minnie's mom, early 30s, and there are uh, the mom is a different race from Lexa and Minnie, and we'll get into that. Um, and then we have Taylor, who is the driver's partner, early 30s, any race. So um, there is a note from the direct uh, from the playwright that says, in the play, the mom only appears in the past. Um, so the mom would have been about 32. So because um, there are memories in this piece. And then also Taylor and Quinn can be played by the same actress. Um, but it needs to be clear that they are different people. There isn't. There isn't uh, spe- specificities about um, the gender, but I'm um, I would assume non-binary femme presenting folks um, to play these characters just because of the context of the piece as a whole. So our our setting is 2016. It takes place in a taxi cab. They're traveling from Houston, Texas to Albuquerque, New Mexico. That is a long drive. Ooh, just te- driving across Texas alone. Is excruciating. Like, mm. Texas is so big. big. It's, it's humongous. Um, the space is not literal. And the characters step out and they run into their memories. So you'll see characters stepping out of the cab while everybody is still in the cab. And they go into these memory sequences, which I think are so beautiful and so well put together. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the production, it premiered in 2017 at DC Capital Fringe and was presented by Theater Prometheus in DC. Uh, and the special production of Abortion Road Trip was featured as a part of the Kennedy Center's 2017 Page to Stage Festival presented by Theater Prometheus. All right. So, boom, check it. I'm going to run us through this because me and Elena have a lot to talk about. Oh. So, Lexa and Minnie, they are sisters. Uh, they're actually not the same race because mom was doing her thing but mom is like top tier best mom don't let this um fool you mom is one of those people that i think is the ultimate i will get into it so mom was a great mom um even though um daughters have different fathers who are both deadbeats we have driver so the driver and lexa and minnie are our main players that are in the car um going to New Mexico. The driver is actually a taxi driver that they hire. So they're paying the driver like $1,500, something crazy like that because um, Texas is humongous. We find out that we're going because um, 
we are actually about to have Lexa is pregnant. Lexa is pregnant by boyfriend Seth, who we only see Seth blowing up the cellular device. And Minnie, the sister, is taking Lexa to uh, get her abortion. Um, this, it starts off very, um, Lexa's not very sure. Like, Lexa is, uh, you know, should I do this? I think, I, no, I really, I know that I shouldn't do this. And, uh, Lexa's very dark. She's very heavy. She likes to use that word a lot. She gets very heavy in her thoughts. Uh, is this the right thing? Is it murder? I, I wrote an obituary for my child. And Minnie is trying to help Lexa keep their head on straight. Yes, you're doing the right thing. If it's your body, you're able to do it with it, whatever you want. I support you either way. The driver is kind of at the beginning, kind of staying out of it until they really get into their memory. So we learn a few things about Minnie and Lexa and the driver. So Minnie, Minnie's girlfriend slash partner, they've been together for a while, is Lexa's The trash bag. Oh, yes. sorry. Go ahead, girl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Minnie's girlfriend, Quinn, is also Lexa's best friend. And so, like, Lexa hooked Quinn up with, you know, her sister. Um, and Quinn is actually who Lexa told first that she was pregnant and asked to take her to the um, abortion clinic, where actually Quinn turned around and took her to an anti-abortion clinic um, and <sighs> tried to say, like, oh, this isn't right. You'd be such a great parent and trying to persuade her to not have this um, the this abortion, which she's allowed to do because it's her body, but she's also not allowed to do it in Texas. That's why they have to drive all the way to New Mexico. Quinn um, has their own blog that is pretty popular. It's a nice little uh, nonprofit side hustle type of deal. Um, and Minnie is one of the curates some of the uh, content for said blog. They work together. They're best friends. Why wouldn't they? Then we find out that Driver also has some skeletons in their closet. Driver, um, Driver is married, but almost lost the, lost their marriage because of dealing with alcoholism and the result of being an alcoholic, uh, being on the wagon, falling off the wagon, coming back on the wagon, um, and I. And so the driver goes through that. So we get, we're following these women on their journey. They jump out into the past so that we see mom. We see how mom just um, supports and loves her daughters no matter what. We see uh, how Quinn met both Minnie and Lexa. And I don't want to give too much away because I know when we close the hymnal, we're going to, we're going to get into the nitty gritty of this stuff. Mm. Um, so let's just jump right in. Elena, what did, what did you think of this piece? There were parts of this play um, that I loved. Mm -hmm. And there were parts of this play that were very hard um, for me to read. This was uh, overall a very hard play for me to read. Um, that's not to say that I did not enjoy it. It was just... I don't think a piece like this, it's meant for you to like... Woo! I love this play. Like it's not, mm -hmm. it's not about that. It's not about um, your preferences or anything like that. Um, it's very unapologetic. Um, we're here to talk about the things, and if you're not, we're ready, here to get heavy, right? 
like Uncle, Lexa as, says, as Lexa honey, says. We're, ha- we're here to get heavy. And if you're not here, if you are, if your edges are not completely moisturized so that we can get into all the things, then the exit is right back there. I'm sh- if you can't find it, an usher will guide you to where you to need the, to go. To the glowing red sign. So Absolutely. you can get to your car or to that train and make it back to your humble abode. Um, because our playwright don't give a shit about you or your little fifis. Um, and yes. sometimes, especially when you're dealing um, with the subject matter like this, I feel is a very black and white issue. And I generally try not to approach things in that way but I feel like very similar to a lot of the uh, other issues that we talk about um, on this podcast it's one of those things where you there's no room for you to ride that fence honey you're either right. going to pick a side you're either going to be like trash ass Quinn who I can't wait to drag her until her face is bald no eyebrows or edges um, or you're going to you know take the position of many um, that was a very long-winded way of saying how I feel. Um, no, I think that that's, that's absolutely and 100% valid because, um, I think that the, this, this piece is so relevant because the fight for, um, women having their reproductive rights is a constant hot topic issue. Um, It is voting season. So this is something that needs to be discussed. Um, we, there are so many people that conflict on, it doesn't matter if you're Democratic or Republican, so many people conflict on this, um, Uh, this issue on what can a woman do with her own self, with her own body. Hmm. And I, I think that this is a wonderful way of these women going about this journey. Um, and despite all literal shit is being thrown at them while they are on the way trying to trying to have a private sisterly moment that they get to keep within themselves. They are literally getting shit thrown at them left and right when they are just trying to live the life that they feel that that is right for them. Right. Um, um, what was I going to say? And uh, going off of that, if you don't mind, um, the first thing that I noticed was that I play Ken, do you mind if I get into a little dramaturgy? Get into it. Because that also played a huge role in how I felt. Um, the first thing I noticed is that our playwright was very, very specific about when this story was taking place, which was in 2016, mm-hmm. and very specific, even though we are in this um, almost like... In my mind, it almost, even though we're in a car, it kind of felt like almost a limbo space, the way these um, flashbacks, like, takes place so seamlessly. But mm-hmm. our player was very specific that this takes place um, from Texas to New Mexico. And like you said, they had to go to New Mexico for this young lady to get an abortion. And so I had to know why. Um, and so um ran to Sister Google and... In 2016, the landmark decision of the U.S. Supreme Court on June 27th of 2016, it was a whole women's health versus Hellerstedt. I hope I'm saying that correctly, but considering that they're trash, I don't mind if I mispronounce it. Um, Not whole women's health, the other people. Um, And in a Supreme Court decision, um, five to three, it said that Texas cannot place 
uh, restrictions on the delivery of abortion services that create an undue burden for women seeking abortion. This whole deal came out of the fact that in two, like three years prior, in 2013, that the state of mm-hmm. Texas passed a law that they called House Bill 2 um, that placed a bunch of restrictions on abortion clinics within the state that ultimately, like, without outright saying that abortion is illegal, the restrictions they put it in place made it almost impossible for you to uh, receive an abortion if you wanted one. Um mm. Uh, and it affected um, abortion providing clinics um, or hospitals uh, within 30, all like within like a 30 mile radius, pretty much the abor- uh, places where you could safely receive an abortion in the state of Texas declined from 42 to a staggering 19. Wow. Right. Um, and so um, whole women's health which is a group that is centered around, you know, it's in the name, health for mm-hmm. women, um, not just in how to get safe abortions, but also, you know, in staying, you know, taking care of ourselves and uh, health issues that are specific to women. Um, they picked up the torch and said, absolutely not. What you're not going to do is these things. Considering the fact that of everything that that happens to a woman, just carrying a child um, to tell her, uh, what she can and cannot do. So right. I found that very interesting. Right. And I feel like uh, people have, um, they're fighting over what is necessary and what um, and what necessary means. But like, if I feel like it is necessary for me, no matter how I became pregnant, then that is what's necessary for me. Um, a lot of things is like, oh, you can have an abortion up to uh, six weeks. And it's right. like some people don't even know that they're pregnant in the first six weeks. That's so how are you going to tell me that now that I've found out that I'm eight weeks pregnant, that now I can't do anything about it? Yeah. Uh, so I just and I think I love how the play touched on the many. First of all, a woman does not need a reason at all for for. Um, terminating her pregnancy at all because it is her body and she's able to do whatever she wants with it Mm -hmm. but the the playwright gives a lot of reasons that it may happen yeah and I just love how um I love how it was a car full of women that at the end ended up supporting each other and knowing that um things are all different. They, they got a little bit heavy with each other. They all had different reasons, but the main one is because they chose themselves because they wanted to choose themselves in their life. Right. And I, I loved that. I think that's a part of this piece that I love the most is that unfortunately, most of the time when we see abortion presented, um, not just in theater, but in entertainment, it's usually, Mm -hmm. um, following some awful traumatic um very intense um event and i feel and um i liked that our playwright presented us with three different scenarios because you know spoiler alert we later find out that both minnie and the driver um, made the choice to have an abortion at some point in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and while those situations were valid, I like that they were the discussion was able to be had without invalidating the fact that Lexa 
No, there was no trauma. She actually, she loved her boyfriend very, very much. Um, they were in a very happy relationship. She's not mm-hmm. some young, confused girl, like, you know, as they like to portray, the way they like to portray abortion, like, on television and, like, in other forms of um, entertainment or, you know, as shown to consumers of information. She was a mm-hmm. grown woman. She was 25. She was very capable um, of having a child if she wanted to. She just knew that that motherhood was not something that she wanted. It was not, right. um, at least not at that point in her life. And that um, throughout the play, she offered very little justification. And I loved it because nor should she. I loved it too. And I I loved um and Minnie, the sister, Minnie's abortion was actually not disclosed until the very end of the plot. So we're just mm-hmm. we're kind of jumping here. But um, Minnie's, Minnie's the, way, the way that she became pregnant was out of trauma um, when she was fairly young. Incest and trauma. And how, who is it for anybody else to tell her at the time Oh, well, you're going to have to have this baby. Oh, well, if you don't want to have it, then tell me why you shouldn't in making this young child relive their trauma. And that's why I want to I want to jump to their mother, that's the true. mother of of Alexa and Minnie, like chef's kiss. Mom, was, I, love this woman. I, I feel like mom was very liberated in who she was. Um Yes, Lex, Lexa and Minnie have two different fathers, and yes, both of them, both of those fathers were deadbeats, but was, and yes, they were just absolute deadbeats and didn't care about um, raising their daughters that they had with their mother, but what they did care, but what that mother did was gave those girls their her all. Uh, she respected them. She taught them how to respect themselves. I love how both of them were, uh, one was a feminist, uh, a, a female studies major. The other one was a female studies minor. So they were aware of their, um, just like our playwright, aware of that intersectionality of being uh, a woman of color, because it specifically says that they're not white. So a woman of color, a feminist, and in Minnie's case, queer as well. And the support that they had from that maternal figure to push them to have an education, to be who they want to be, and to have control of their bodies, um, however they see fit. Yep. Just like, I can only imagine what it would be like to um, to be raised with that fearlessness of self and not and had to be taught at those primitive years than um, trying to learn how to be fearless with myself um, in my older years. Um, what did you think about mom? Mom, we only saw a couple times, but the times that we saw mom was extremely powerful. Um, what did you think of mom? I respected the hell out of mom because mm-hmm. specifically um, in the scene where many um, is telling her um, about the traumatic experience. Um, spoiler alert again, because Minnie got pregnant due to sexual assault. She like mm-hmm. went in search of meeting her father. Her father um, was married when her when Minnie's mom met him, and you know they had an affair. Minnie was the product of that affair. He ended up going back to his wife because his wife. 
um, got pregnant around the same time as Minnie's mother, and her and her brother were three months apart. So she mm-hmm. goes in search of him and trying at the age of 15 to try to seek out some form of um, of a relationship and when she goes to the house to try to meet him no one is there but her brother it was a first they you know she knew about him but i'm guessing maybe he didn't know about her and Mm -hmm. we don't know the details of the encounter but we do know that he sexually assaulted her and we do know that no one was home she yelled out no one stopped right and, you know, she kept yelling out, and, you know, in the script, she said she kept yelling out, you know, I'm your sister. And um, the product of that encounter um, was Minnie's pregnancy. And she was, you know, sharing all of this with her mother. And what I respected most about her mother is that she never made a move to push her opinion of what should have happened next on her child um as a mom i know that my knee-jerk reaction honey would have been to pick up the nearest weapon whatever it may be something that could cause some form of bodily harm and Mm -hmm. ride on over to that good old house and i fuck you fuck your wife and (laughs) i'm gonna fuck this young man up he's not about to breathe another day not another day but she Mm -hmm. didn't do that you know she listened and she heard her daughter out and she listened not to what as a mother what she wanted but what her child needed and what her child needed was her love and her understanding and her support um there was never a moment of pressure of saying of her imposing her views and what she felt should have happened I can only imagine what that did to her inside um, as mom, especially considering the fact that she probably encouraged her to go and seek out her father and seek out that relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. I can only imagine that, you know, she gave her her best wishes in doing that and then having to, it's one of those moments where you have to stand in acknowledgement that your children come out of you, but they are not you. Yes. Um, yes and that your wants and desires are completely separate how you see the world how you experience the world two whole separate journeys and Mm -hmm. I felt like her support in that moment was a complete acknowledgement of all of that and I stand because I cannot say that I would have handled it with that much grace honey everyone had to die yeah and I, I I think that we don't know much about mom but I think mom has lived lived a life that mm-hmm. um, she was able to learn from before she had uh, Minnie and then Lexa. She she lived a life that um, gave her a deeper awareness and understanding that only life and the traumas of life can give you. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard when you are a, um, it doesn't say if a mom, mom is a different race than Lexa and Minnie, but it doesn't say if mom is non-white or white or non-white. So she, mom could be whatever. Right. I was curious um, about that too, in terms so, of like thinking about how this would be cast. Yeah. And I, I, I think that it opens it up to the fact that, um, very specifically, I loved how Lexa and Minnie were non-white because of just how non-white women are treated by the um, by by the pharmaceutical and by doctors and 
the the pressure of being pregnant if they if either one of them decided to go to full term with their pregnancy then what they're they're they sit in pain but the doctor doesn't believe them they um and next thing you know they're entire life is at risk like being a woman uh, being a woman of color you and elena and i are black women but i know specifically for women of color like it is extremely hard to go into a medical facility and say that you have pain because going back to slavery and just blatant racism Mm -hmm. if you black women and women of color they can take that pain in their mind Mm-hmm. And that's how, that, yeah. that's how they see it. And that justified um, slavery that justified beating the be, literally beating the black off of folks uh, while they were enslaved mm-hmm. because they don't feel that pain as much. That is that is the thought. And that is still holds true in the medical industry. Um, it's been called out multiple times, but that doesn't mean that it has um completely dissolved because there are numerous women. I mean, even just Serena Williams in um, having um, Alexis Olympia was talking about how she was in literal constant pain and telling Mm. these doctors, a woman who has money and status and is well-known, not just not, and this is, this is somebody that has it all, you know, in in, in my mind has it all. No, in in your mind, my mind, everyone's mind. and, And can afford um, and can afford the best medical treatment and probably, I mean, is, is an amazing athlete. So has received some of the best of the best medical treatment. But when she says I am in severe pain was ignored. Hmm. Probably so, because, and the, and they probably use the fact that she was such a strong athlete as just another stick to beat her with. Like, Oh girl, exactly. you got it. Look saw, at those legs. We, look at, look at those legs and them back muscles. Like you're, you're good, fine. Girl. Like, without taking an account that you have no idea how, and Elena, I, as everyone already knows, I do not have a child, but Elena does, like, Elena, you can just speak to just the toll that having, going through a full-term pregnancy does to your body. Yeah. It changes it drastically. Yeah, I, um... Yeah, my situation, um, with my pregnancy, um... Basically, um, I got every side effect that you could possibly have um, Mm. whilst pregnant. Um, I had it. And some that even what to expect uh, when you're expecting could not explain to me. Um, And I was also, because I'm an asthmatic, I was considered a high-risk pregnancy um, because my OB um, was concerned about a flow of oxygen from mother to child. Um, So... I know, um, and I'm no, and I've, and while going through my pregnancy, I talked, of course, we always talk to other women who have children or who are currently pregnant also. Um, but I cannot tell you how many, um, you know, the black women in my life who are mothers, um, talked about the horrific experiences that they have had while carrying their children it's not all smiles and rainbows unless you are significantly blessed to like i was you know luckily i had a black obgyn so unless Mm -hmm. you're gonna have um 
and um and this is why we stand up and clap every time we hear of other you know black people making strides in the medical field or just choosing to go into the medical profession it's not just because we're like yay collect a coin it's because we know that we need people in the medical field that we can trust not to say that white doctors and nurses and so on are not trustworthy but we also know that there are um specific concerns and needs that come with um, being black, you know, our bodies are like, you know, our, our bodies are different from y'all. And, and if you all already believe that, hence the reason you all did so many experiments on us back in the day, like Henri- Henrietta Lacks. So like, y'all know that mm-hmm. our different our bodies are different from you. And yet when we say what we need from you, um, you know, while pregnant or otherwise, um, we're always met with bullshit. Like even going beyond just you know, OBs. It's the reason that a lot of black people of a certain age are afraid to go and seek medical care to this very day. Yeah. And I, it just, it's, it's just so important that we have those black doctors because, um, it reminds me of, um, this med student. Um, this med student is a London based med student. Um, uh, first name Malone, uh, last name, M-U-K-W-E-N-D-E. I'm not about to butcher your name, so and I want to make sure that people can look you up. Um, when uh, Malone was in med school, uh, they were learning about different diseases, but they only learned how the diseases looked on white skin. And so Malone decided to to actually make a handbook on how these different diseases look on black skin because that you don't even know what to look for because... Um, so that's how they go undiagnosed because, oh, uh, your skin looks fine. It's dark and it's beautiful. And if it's not white, then maybe you don't see that extra mole. Or um, if it's not white, then um, sometimes like uh, the bumps on your skin are sometimes overlooked. And next thing you know, you have an illness that, that can be treated, but goes untreated. And then it becomes terminal. And right. this is just why it is so important, people. It is so important to, to make sure that you are diligent about who you go and seek medical treatment from absolutely um, there are so many people just without that don't have your best interest in heart yeah um and yeah go ahead go no ahead. i was just gonna say it just reminded me of something that happened during um the first trimester of my pregnancy without going into too much detail but um i um i had a medical scare um at the beginning of my pregnancy um, I actually was, uh, me, I, <laughs> I'll just say the words. I was afraid, um, that I lost, um, uh, my dumpling. I was afraid that, you know, she, um, was not going to be with us. So I made my way to the emergency room. Um, I let them know that I was, um, I was bleeding. Um, and like currently, um, and I sat in that waiting room for hours hours mind y'all this was like three in the morning there was nobody else in that waiting room but me and I sat for hours um, in pain and going to the bathroom however many times I had to to change my sanitary napkin sat there um, in pain until I was finally seen um, and they told, and they barely looked at me at all, 
and said like, oh, you're fine. You're just, you know, oh, it's, you know, it might just, you know, just be spotting. Like, oh, you're going to be fine. And they sent me home. And um, I called my mom the next morning because I, like, I didn't sleep the whole night. I was in pain the whole night. And um, uh, my mom was, uh, because at the time I wasn't in my hometown, I found out that I was uh, pregnant while I was away in rehearsal for a job. Um, and so my mom, um, so no friends, no family where I was, just me. Um, and so my mom hopped in her car expeditiously and drove and came and got me and brought me, um, back home, uh, where she took me to the OB that delivered my daughter, this black OBGYN, um, who we were blessed enough to, um, to know, uh, he actually delivered some other uh, babies in my family and that is where I found out that what was happening to me was the fact that I was an asthmatic and it was due to the fact that um, what I was experiencing um, was due to the fact that I had a, a lack of oxygen that was traveling from mother to child um, and uh, I <laughs> while I thought that I was going to be able to continue to work he said absolutely not you're going to sit the entire, well, he didn't say it like that, but the energy was, <laughs> you're going to sit the entire hell down, sis, and you are, we are going to, um, yeah, you're going to take this iron and you're going to sit down, but yeah, because, um, it was a lack of oxygen and lack of iron, um, because at the time I didn't eat red meat, I hadn't eaten red meat in like four, four years, four or five years um so i had to incorporate red meat back into my diet as well as take um iron pills as a supplement until um i had you know started eating meat again to where i didn't have to take them anymore um that's so amazing that your mom had that forethought because i mean your mama is a mama through and through she mm -hmm. can't help but be a mama hey mama i know you're listening but the fact that she had that forethought and already knew somebody that she could take you to because that's not the case for so many people mm -hmm. i got and lucky that is a deep deep fear and another thing that i got this information from a few sources of women that are um currently going through a pregnancy um so i was asking around and getting prepared for this episode mm -hmm. because like i told you guys i i have not experienced the beauty that is childbirth like medicare and medicaid is like this oh we're gonna take care of everybody and it's, it's fairly cheaper to have the child. We're not talking about raising the child, but have the child. And then um, someone else that I was talking to um, has a full-time job and gets insurance from their full-time job. But the insurance for having a full-time job does not cover, mm -mm. Does not cover um, ex the expenses of bearing a child. Absolutely not. And it's almost like, monthly it's almost paying rent like you are paying rent plus your other rent how about to, that to make sure that you are able to have a, a happy and healthy child and you can't get off of that insurance or you're going to lose your job so that you can get on medicare slash medicaid so that you can't and it's like why it's a mess like why would i want to uh put myself in so much debt if i'm not financially ready say i just got this full-time job say i'm hmm. just finally getting out of debt from school say i'm uh i'm planning my me and my significant other if there is a significant other in the case because there doesn't have to be um mm -mm. me and my significant other are really just trying to get our our feet out of quicksand because life now you're telling me i'm gonna tack on so many bills. I saw one time that like after you have the child, they make you pay to have your first skin on skin contact. Like you tell Certain me I have to pay you to yeah. touch my child. And why, 
why are women having to pay for all of this? Hmm. And, but you're telling me I have to. You're, and I just, I don't understand the government and employers and the, just these men, mostly white men, obsessed with what is in my pants. But I, I think it, it comes down to control. It really yeah. does. Like, you know, they can put whatever flowery language that they want around the conversation about health insurance, medical care you know, all of it across the board. What it really is about is about, um, you know, members of the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just, it's in their DNA to feel that they, you know, <laughs> have the right to tell women what they can and cannot do with their bodies. It's And it's most, most of the issues surrounding the messaging that women receive, um, not just about motherhood, um, and sex, but just everything from the ruta to the suda, what's considered mm-hmm. beautiful, what's not, what's, you know, considered stylish, what's not, Any, everything, like, down to the razors um, that, that we use, or if we, or lack of a razor that Because that was use. also mentioned in the piece, like, oh, you're going to get an abortion, did you shave down under, what, no? I just, it's just everything, um, you know, every single minute detail of our lives. And sadly, some of the decisions that we make are heavily influenced in one way or another by mm-hmm. the patriarchy. And it's so, it's been so embedded into us that we, you know, even bring it down to, well, it's just my preference. Well, that's just what I prefer. That's just what I like. Is it? Because you look absolutely miserable, sis. Mm. You look absolutely miserable trying to live up to these standards that no one has placed on you but yourself based on the words of a bunch of um, sperm carriers who don't give two shits one way or another about your happiness. Exactly. They don't, and they're not going to support you. They look down on you if you end up, if you're on food stamps or if you're on welfare, they look down on you, but then they don't, they don't care about the fact that you are trying to feed you Mm -hmm. and a life that they forced you to keep. And that's what, yeah. And like, yeah. And getting into it, like I said, first they're going to tell you, you're going to have this baby. And Mm -hmm. then they're going to say, now raise it. Don't ask us for any help. Don't ask us um, to support you in any way. And then... On top of that, they're going to say, well, if you don't want to take care of the baby, don't, you know, do what it takes to make a baby. But we're not going to talk to you about sexual education and how to prevent pregnancy and how to, you know, any of that. Like, we, we, don't, want to, we don't want you to learn about that because mm-hmm. that's just inappropriate. And, right. you know, we shouldn't be teaching, you know, adolescent youth, the main ones who are out here doing the sticking and moving, how okay. to protect themselves and stay safe, not just against uh, pregnancy, but, you know, against sexually transmitted diseases. So just round and round it goes. It goes. I feel like it goes right back to the conversation, um, like, in, in part that we were having in the last episode. It's like, y'all want us to, you know, be barefoot and pregnant, but y'all just want to skip over the part of how we get there or, 
Right. You know, you want us to be freaks, but you also want us to be virgins because, you know, we're clearly not having sex after you um, walk out of the room or like, I just, I can't. Um, And I don't, and I would also just like to take this moment to say after hearing all of this, if you still out there sitting and believing that dating um, and dealing with these ashy ass men um, is a choice, who would choose this? Who would choose this? <laughs> Trash. Honestly, like <laughs> just dead awful. Ass. Who could listen to any of this that we're saying and still have the absolute audacity, dare I say the gall, to say <laughs> that dealing with these raggedy ass men is a choice. Who would choose this awful life for themselves? Just terrible. Blasphemy. Just horrible. Oh, Just sorry. Absolutely horrible. But getting no, back think, into the things. No, I think that that was 100% on track because um, I want to get into the driver's story. Let's do that because I found her. <sighs> I found her story just like. I want more. Um, Can we have a? I I want more. I want a sequel where I get to, I, where I get to just dig into, um, the driver. I think the only thing about that I was missing, we learned the driver's name, mm-hmm. but at the very very end, like if the women could have learned her name because they just got so close. But I understand why it was just like, this is, this is something that I need to just, I meet you, but I need to take myself out of it. Just, but I, I felt like those three just had a bond that was so real and so raw. But anyways, the driver. Without giving y'all so many spoiler word, uh, alerts, the driver is white. Is uh, the only one that is very specific that that is a white cast um, member. The driver is also queer, has a wife, but the driver went through a lot of things. I mean, the driver is a cab driver, obviously, but used to be one of the top lawyers. But battle with alcoholism is the reason why the driver is now driving a cab and is no longer one of the top lawyers in the state of Texas. Um, Alcoholism impaired the driver's judgment on um, many occasions, yeah. and one of those times that uh, the driver's um, judgment was impaired, um, well, three of the times Hi. when the driver's judgment was impaired because of the extreme ac- alcoholism that uh, resulted in the driver becoming pregnant, um, a strain on the driver's relationship with their partner, and... Um, it's like that constant pain of this is one of my biggest mistakes. And that was the reason that uh, the driver um, decided to terminate their pregnancy because there was something that was a little bit more important and not, not more important than having the baby, but like their life, their livelihood, getting themselves back on track. The fact that um, they were, uh, were currently an alcoholic and the effects that that could have possibly had on the fetus, the fact that they were, um, at that time was not in recovery. Mm -mm. So um, really tried to just gather up the pieces of their life and put them back together. Like why would they want to bring a child into a place where they don't even have it together? That not to mention the strain of the circumstances um, surrounding the conception and how, what that, the extra strain that would have put on their relationship with their partner. Exactly. Um, that is something to be considered. I, wow, some may think that's a very shallow 
consideration. No, I think it is absolutely something to consider. And I think that is one of the reasons why the driver um, decided to um, terminate the pregnancy, even before the driver told their partner about the pregnancy. I, I kind of, I really enjoyed the fact that the driver at that point, I think the pregnancy was also a wake up call. Like my shit is not together. Let, I need to actually take these active steps and also getting fired from their job. I need to take these active steps to make sure that my life's back together. I love that as well. I thought that was yeah. dope. Um, how that manifested itself that in the end, the driver was able to take um, unexpectedly a piece of reconciliation for themselves mm-hmm. um, in terms of everything that happened. Okay, I'm ready to drag. Can we talk about the trash bag in the room? Can we please address it? Because in addressing that trash bitch, I get to cuss out. We, you can join hands with me if you would like. Oh, I am ready. I am here. I am standing on my point. Of other folks as well. So special is on i'm ready i just okay so y'all as mara mentioned earlier um one of the characters in this play is minnie's girlfriend um who is quinn now our playwright god bless them um said that this character can be portrayed portrayed by someone of any race but i just feel white as hell i just feel like white as a saltine no other woman could have had the nerve or entitlement to move like this character move. It had to be a swift Becky. A swift, just a good, oh, I just can't. Okay, so y'all, so Quinn decides to uh, is Minnie's girlfriend um, and Lexa's best friend. Lexa tell is tell she's the first person um, that Lexa discloses her private business to. Quinn, you know, as Mariah alluded to earlier, um, took her. You know, was supposed to be driving Lexa to a clinic and being supportive, and it turned out to be one of those fake ass, awful, terrible, horrific. Uh, fake clinics where they sit you down and they try to tell you, you know, about what the Lord wants you to do. You know, even though the Lord didn't ask them for to speak a word for him. For anybody's opinion. Mm-hmm. No, he didn't ask them to speak a word. But, you know, they're going to twist and turn um, that word into what they need, you know, and tell you all the ways in which your spirit will be damned and you're a murderer and all the awful you know, things that come uh, with Bible thumpers when they decide they're going to um, discuss abortion. So first of all, I'd just like to say that had I been Lexa, she would have gotten her ass beat that very day as soon as I would have crossed the threshold into the parking lot um, of that clinic. But, you know, play isn't about me. Um, And so then, um, (laughs) you know, uh, Quinn eventually tells Minnie and, you know, that is, uh, and Lexa eventually tells Minnie, of, um, and Minnie decides, you know, like any normal human being to go and support her sister in this decision that she has to make. And so Quinn 
you know, in hearing, you know, Minnie's decision decides that she's going to hop on her blog and write a whole ass think piece mm-hmm. about abortion and how it's wrong and her personal feelings and, you know, that all of this and like even prior to making this post um she the whole ride home from the fake clinic is telling lexa how great of a parent she would be and how great of a parent her boyfriend seth would be and how you know if they could just open she could just open her mind and her heart you know that she would be great parents with seth and so she writes this think piece seth puts two and two together reaches out to quinn and is like what's going on this sounds you know like like, you know like it sounds like you know you're taking this rather personally and Quinn tells him well it's someone who's close to you they're going through this so Seth isn't an idiot he quickly realizes that it's Lexa and so he's blowing her phone up the whole car ride trying to Mm -hmm. figure out what's going on and later on we find out that Seth uh showed up at Minnie and Quinn's apartment Mm -hmm. um you know, in tears and upset because he can't get in touch with his girlfriend. And what does Quinn do? Quinn decides to snap a photo of this man in tears. And disgusting. As if anyone wasn't sure who the blog post was about at first, they didn't have any guessing game. There were no guessing games to be played when she posted that picture of that young man in tears on her blog. I don't know. Quinn doesn't exist, but I want to fight her. And so, um, and before any of this, as if that isn't bad enough, when Minnie, you know, told her like, hey, I'm standing by my sister. I'm going to support her. Whatever she decides, you, you know, it, it, that's just what it is. Quinn decides to pack her raggedy old duffel bag and move out of the apartment for a week. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, her ass should have stayed there. I Absolutely. understand why Quinn had to be here. Because Quinn is a representation of a mass of people, a mass amount of people mm-hmm. who say things like her and believe things like her. And and it just reminds me of so much that is wrong within the queer community that is all about love and acceptance and um, be who you want to be, love who you want to love, um, believe what you want to believe. Like, I, I love my community. I love the queer community. I love being a Black queer woman. But there are so many nuances within the queer community that it's like, how... How could you say that I'm allowed to do whatever I want that makes me happy and be free, but I can't do this, but I shouldn't do this. And I just, that, and I I, I also enjoy, I thought it was very smart for the playwright to make um, this opinion come out of Quinn, who is a woman. Mm. And the lack of her supporting another woman, who is her best friend, not past her her significant other sister Lexa is her best friend yeah and her being like I yeah I love you but I'm not gonna love this and I can't get behind this basically meaning I can't get behind you mm-hmm. and I just I no and I all just no yeah yeah I, I, I just, want, no I want to give you room that's why I'm not saying anything yeah I just it's just for me, 
and uh, my feminism and how I look at myself, my uh, community, uh, my black community, queer community, women, it's, it's, I've always been just super supportive of whatever you want to do, as long as you are safe, as long as you are going about it correctly. That is the only time that Quinn should have stopped Lexa or tried to stop Lexa is if Lexa tried to have the abortion at home, which Lexa and many are very aware of the result of having or attempting to have an at-home abortion, attempting to have an abortion that is not... Um, that is not done by a medical professional. Um, if anybody listens to this in New York, I don't know if anybody loves us, but like when the Museum of Sex opens back up, it's an awesome museum. They have an entire floor dedicated to abortions and abortions around the world. Um, it's dedicated to women that have lost their lives because they tried to, because their government told them they could not have an abortion. So they decided to take matters into their own hands. Um, it is dedicated to medical professionals that have been arrested and charged and um, sometimes just taken off the planet because they are trying to make sure that women have the rights to control their entire body. Um, ooh, bear with me, y'all. <laughs> no, I'm right there with you, It's just, sis. It's, it's... You got it. Go off. It's dedicated to how many people are just trying to have control over themselves and being told by somebody that has absolutely nothing to do with them, somebody that does not know them from a pack of dirt on the street, on the street, telling them what they can and they cannot do and how that is so traumatic to a woman, how that is so traumatic to um, a person just saying, yeah, um, I understand that, um, you may have had this very traumatic reason that you've gotten pregnant or you just lack a contraception or it was a huge uh-oh mistake, but now you're stuck with the consequences um, of those actions. You are not allowed to have any other way. Um, you know you don't have to keep it. You can put that child up for adoption, but more than likely that child is going to go into foster care. So now you've just put somebody into the world so that they... We all know how great the foster care system is. Exactly. You just put somebody in the world so that they can just... So that cycle of trauma can continue. And I just, and the fact that Quinn was just so okay with saying, yeah, you need to have the baby and then saying, oh, I'll take the baby in. What makes you think that your best friend would want, who does and like, can't want that talk to happen? About, like, yo. And Minnie does not want children, Like, period. yo, how do you make that decision for your partner, number one, and then in no consideration to the fact that this is your best friend, you're dating her sister. So this mm -hmm. is not a situation where she would be able to give up this child for adoption and move on with her life and not be constantly reminded of this decision that she made. That child's going to be standing there staring her in the face every day At of its times. life. Not to mention the tra the psychological trauma that is going to be inflicted on that child when they come into the fullness of who they are and how they came to be and the circumstances under which they are living the life that they are living. Are you mm -hmm. going are you gonna find the therapist twin? Are you gonna pay, sis? I oh, 
Oh, I never want, like, I have hated some fictional characters in my time. <laughs> like, y'all hear but, me, there's always at least one person in every show that we have covered who I want to just do bodily harm, but none as much as this here Quinn. So I guess, good job, playwright, for this week, honey. Because, yes, my spirit was vexed, and I wanted to tear something up. And I, I just, I, I love how there is complexities on all ends. So I know that when you see, when an audience sees this live, the, more than likely somebody is going to see themselves in one of these characters, um, whether it is a hit dog holler situation mm. where it's like, oh, I kind of agree, but everybody is looking around and, oh, I agree with Quinn. So, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Or it's, it's that nuance of this person is my my sister my aunt my cousin my friend my family member and I I just love how I mean going with the playwright and their um their uh new theater company that they are creating it's it was there were funny moments in this piece y'all it was so funny there were some funny sisterly moments between yeah. Minnie and Lexa that I like you couldn't help but laugh because they are funny sisterly moments and that was the sugar before the medicine yeah. and I just I really enjoyed that like especially when I think about um the play that we covered a couple weeks ago um Pancake Queen mm -hmm. just how that one was just like we're gonna just keep punching you in the face right. with the truth and sometimes she didn't give a damn about she any of them she didn't and I I applaud her and how she went about <sighs> that piece because boy she did that but yes. when when you're when you're up against a piece like that um it's like somebody constantly yelling at you. Sometimes it's very easy mm -hmm. for you to tune them out and not get the full scope of what they're trying to tell you. Um, versus this piece was like a very, it was like a roller coaster. We had those moments where we were able to laugh and relax in our seats. And then they get to, and then as soon as we get to relax in our seats, they slip us with the truth. And as soon as we're about to tighten up, our Hi. asshole's about to tighten and we can't take no more, they make us laugh again. And we are able to relax just so that we can be hit with a little bit more truth. And I just loved how, I love this way of uh, protest art um, yeah. be because a lot of people, when they think protest art, they think, oh, we're going to yell at you and tell you everything that's wrong. But mm -hmm. it's like, no, I'm going to I want to make sure that you are not just hearing me, but you are really genuinely listening. Yeah. And with this piece, you can really genuinely listen to the message and the theme of um, what this playwright is getting across. Yeah. Um, uh, my favorite, if I were to say my favorite moment, um, in the midst of all of this, um, was the flashback, um, that we had between Minnie and her mama, Yes, where she poured up that wine and she said, it's been a year today. It's been a year since, um, Minnie chose to have her abortion <laughs> and, you know, she said, you know, we're, you're, you're going to have a sip of wine every year and you're gonna take a take a drink um until you huh, until you reclaim your body as yours yes until you reclaim that piece of yourself um that that asshole um took away from you yes. yeah no and that's the side I'm sorry, no crying. you're fine no girl <laughs> 
um, that society uh, tries to take away from you. Um, and in that, it's just like, just empowering her. Like, you decide. You decide who you are. You, you do not allow anybody to tell you who you are and what you're about and what your experience means to you. Um, just the generous offering of autonomy mm-hmm. um, within a culture that is constantly giving us the message as we see not only from the patriarchy but from women as well mm-hmm. um, that we on th- that at a certain point that there is a there is levels to uh, what part of ourselves our womanhood our womanness that we get to hold on to or stake a claim in that mm-hmm. our um, claim to ourselves only goes so far and to that in that moment as a mother trying, you know, her way of giving that back to her, of uh, making room for her. It's just like, damn, like goals, mama, goals. Goals, absolute goals. And then many get me, giving that also to Lexa, you know, at the very end, her saying, you you're not she didn't it wasn't even her anniversary she bought it for Alexa because she knew what speech she was gonna say that the way that she was empowered by her mother she knew that she was gonna empower her sister with which is what we should be constantly doing as women like if we're not empowering one another if we're not transferring energy positive energy from one to another then what are we actually doing and and then got that grape juice for the driver uh, as well yes because the driver yes because the driver is um sober so making sure that everybody just was able to sit drink heal um feel like be around three women that knew what was going on that supported them unconditionally and was just at the end happy and I love how it was called um their mom called it an abortion road trip which is kind of Uh (laughs) which is why um Minnie was calling it as that as well because it was also just what their mother called it and them just that healing process because I think Minnie at this point um has reclaimed her body um it happened over mm-hmm. 10 years from um, when we meet many in this piece. Mm-hmm. But I I just loved it. I don't even, yeah. I, I'm, I'm losing words, but. No, yeah, um, I loved it. And how it left genuine, us with so much hope for it, these it characters. Did. It, it left did. us with so much hope for these characters. They're both leaving their trash ass significant <sighs> others. Praise God. Driver is going back to their, her significant other who who at the end of the day, knew that driver had a long way to go but believed in her and believed in her sobriety oh that was beautiful as well that proposal moment yes because i i always i think more powerful than i love you is i trust you and i believe in you like those like um yeah it's 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 very different it's very different it's like the difference between loving somebody and liking somebody yeah because you can love somebody without liking them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I got a long list of those. Hello. But, and I, you can love somebody and think that they have absolutely no hope. 
but like believe like genuinely wholehearted believing that you are you are on the path yes you are going to trip and fall but I believe in you I'm going to pick you up I'm going to continue to drop you off I'm gonna like we always say I'm gonna drag you by your edges because that's the way you're gonna learn but I'm gonna be here but it's always going to be my hand dragging you. It's always going to be me that's going to take care of you. And we're talking, obviously, about a hypothetical drag. Well, yeah. I mean, unless we're talking about, well, I guess. Unless Quinn. we're talking about Quinn. I was going to say, the Quinn real is- Quinns of the world. The real Quinns of the world. Y'all can come catch these hands. All day, Because we day. fight. I'm so sorry. Me and Elena are grown as hell, but we fight. I just. If, if needed. They do uh, talk about, in this piece, because Minnie and Lexa were raised in the Catholic Church. Um, I'm not Catholic, and I do not know much about Catholicism. Is what my understanding of Catholicism. So if they're, um, please correct me if I am wrong, but my understanding of Catholicism is that they do look down on um, abortion. Girl, and they do look oh. down on... <laughs> abortion <laughs> and birth control. They do look down on contraception. You will find they do look down on being gay. One of the funniest things I saw, uh, well, that was in the play, was like, oh, yeah, it's okay to be gay. You just can't act on it. You see what I'm saying? Like, we just, you just need to just sit there and be quiet and marry a woman, or if you're a man. Like, so I just, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this piece. I really, y'all, this is one of the, we, we covered a lot of, a lot of it, but this is one of those you have to read. Yeah, it's I, an experience. I, I want to just like, um, experience, I would love to experience as a part of the, I was about to say, stop right there. You're jumping the gun. I am. Cause I was just about to say, we're wrapping it up. Mariah Williams, girl. Yes. Um, I was just about to say, I feel like it's a perfect time to ask the golden question, which is the ink, you know, the ink is dried. The check mm-hmm. is on the way. Amen. Directly depositing into your account. We'd love to see it. Hello. What is on your contract, madam? What are you doing in relation to this here play? Yeah, I think I want to cast this one. Oh, I think yeah. I think I would like to cast this one. I think there's so many nuances within this um, within this piece, and I think the fact that it is explicitly said that um, Mom, Minnie, and Lexa are all different races, it just gives that opportunity for us to see a wide range of women of color on stage and um, learn those complexities that comes with being a woman. I, I, you know, I see a, Lat- a Latina woman. I see, of course, a Black woman. I see an Asian woman. I see all of just these women that have um and when we we think oh no one's had a struggle like so and so but it's like you have no idea what it's like to be a woman in america um and especially a woman of color being in america in america being told that um how you should and should not be uh what is and is not right what is and is not proper um and just and people always think that it's just one type of woman and that it's not mm-hmm. i in my in my mind this cast has um everybody is on this spectrum of color and everyone is on the spectrum of weight and size and hair and i just see like a cast full of 
absolutely beautiful women. I like in my mind, uh, Taylor is like native and then maybe like, um, Lexa is Asian American. Minnie is black and mom can be whatever. And the only white people will probably drive her and Quinn cause Quinn ain't shit. Listen. Like that, like is just the beauty that can be put on stage in this piece. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, just uh, this just, is definitely I, a love letter to women. Yes. Yes. To women. Yes. Period. Um women across the board, every woman on every corner of this earth. I feel like this is who this play was for. Absolutely. Um I just like want to take a moment to just say thank you, thank you to this playwright mm. because Rachel Lynette, like you gave us something that was just an absolute masterpiece. And I, 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 I just go back to the tagline of Rachel and that theater company. First we laughed and we talked because there were so many moments that were just so funny and genuine and just scrumptious. And those moments gave us the time and the silence to talk, to have the, to get heavy, heavy, real heavy. And just thank you, thank you, thank you. I love this piece. Um, let's move on. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, you guys. Thank you for sticking with us for this very heavy piece. We absolutely yeah, enjoyed, this isn't an easy... enjoyed, enjoyed. Yeah, this wasn't an easy episode, y'all. So if you, I'm sure that you all had to take breaks at some point. Um, and if you made it to this part... Congratulations. Welcome to, the, welcome, welcome to the great thing. We are now at Letters to a Young Queen, where Elena and I write letters and or monologues to our future, past, current selves. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, last week, as y'all know, I was just making it through and trudging through life, so I went ahead and passed. Um, but I am here. I am ready. I am in formation for a, a monologue from when I was 13. And I got a little something special for you guys after Elena does her letter. So let's just start with my 13. I'm just going to be honest with you. I think I'm perfect. (laughs) From the way my funky socks stand out when I wear my uniform to the curly curls on the top of my head. Okay, no, I'm not perfect. My tits are slow to sprout and my ass is pretty much non-existent, but that does not phase me. That does not stop me from doing what I want when I want. I'm currently in boarding school, which means I am grown, grown. Let me repeat that. I am grown, grown. I do what I want and no one can tell me otherwise. Many would say I'm mature for my age and they are not lying. In the eighth grade, I am the lead in the school play, and I plan on keeping my position at the top when I hit the ninth grade. I mean, I am at the top of my game. The only thing I'm missing is filling out these curves, and then I am taking over the world. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all. Come on! (laughs) World domination! You couldn't tell me nothing. You could not tell me nothing when I was in boarding school in eighth grade. I thought I was the shit. Wait, I was nothing but a fucking stick. 
with that did not know how to do their hair because that was in boarding school so i was away from my mom you had to do my little, own hair you ain't gonna give 13 year old marat too much because she, she believes she was lit I, I did you couldn't tell me nothing and we our uniform the only thing that we could have that was fun were our socks so i used to go in i used to have like my knee highs were the colorful crazy knee highs because y'all was gonna see me okay but you keep that to this day you stay with a sock that's still I you I do just like I didn't match my socks then and I kept them all different types of colors and I don't match my socks now and I keep them all different types of colors you can tell me nothing I, I I definitely was and I kept it like this because there was so much that I wasn't aware about and I wanted to speak specifically like I was that age Ooh, but me and I, I thought about making a letter to that age because there was just so much that I didn't know so much but uh, the confidence I had at 13, boy, I wish I could have kept that streak. <laughs> Honey. Oh, boy. So, Elena, yes, um, you guys, baby. what is wrong with us? We keep forgetting to assign these at the end of the episode. So, I text Elena, and Elena, what did I assign to you? You asked me to talk about um, my entrance into my college years. Yes, freshman year. Um, did you decide to do a monologue or I a letter? I did do a monologue. Okay. Um. With, yeah, we're just. I'm just gonna get into it. We'll we'll chat afterwards. I feel like I run my mouth enough on this show. All right. Okay, sis. So look, I gotta talk fast because we both know you overslept and you're running late to one of those mini genes that you don't give a shit about. I well. We are scared shitless about this whole college thing, not because we're afraid to leave home, because, girl, we're afraid of what it means. It means that you have to actually take some responsibility for your own life. If your future turns out to be shitty, it's mostly your fault. It doesn't matter what your mother did or your father didn't do. It doesn't matter what he said or she did. The only thing that matters is that you wake up every day making the personal choice to make the most out of what you have. And we have so much. Okay, so maybe I'm trying to tell you that you have so much because you never appreciated us at our peak Muchness, our muchness. Stop hiding my muchness. Over the next few years, it's gonna get attacked. You're gonna tone it down because habitual behavior for the sake of survival, but hey, come back. Even if it's just to tell me to stop drinking Nouveau, cause I'm not gonna know any better for a while and someone needs to tell me the truth. Anyway, if you need me, I'll be in e-building getting my, our life. And I like this natural thing we're doing now. Cute for you. And that's what I have. I love it. Yes, Nouveau. Child, and I just aged the fuck out of myself because y'all, yes, honey, um, during my During those early college years, honey, I thought that I was grown and that I knew what drinking was. And, you know, T-Pain was always, always, oh, <laughs> he was always singing about Nouveau and somebody else was and the bottle was cute. So yes. me and my best friend, hey, best friend, I know you get tired of me constantly telling our business on this fucking show. Uh, 
That's why I don't say your name, sis. Um, um, we stayed, um, with a nouveau, honey. You couldn't tell us that we were not cute and grown. Um, had no business drinking. Uh, baby, if you're ever, if you're ever listening to this show, drinking before the age of 21 is irresponsible and don't you ever black ass do it. Um, that's right. But yeah, um, at this age, I was at the peak, like I said, of my muchness. Um, I had a lot going on, y'all. I, <laughs> you could not tell me, honey, high school was behind me. Um, I was fine as fuck. Um, I had my man, honey. I was, you know, was on a scholarship, a full ride to school, honey. I was in the yes. dance class. I was in the dance classes, the acting classes, the, the voice classes. And I was just getting my life, honey. And, you know, first stop, bachelor's degree. Second stop, Tony Award. You couldn't tell me. I mean, <laughs> that sounds correct to me. <laughs> And you couldn't tell me that there weren't going to be any steps in between. And anyone who did not agree with this plan could get with it or get the fuck lost because I don't care to hear from you. Um, yes. And I was just so sure of myself. Um, and was had a, a, a fuck you right at the tip of my tongue to anybody who tried to discredit me or try to tell me to calm down in any way. Um, and that was me fresh out of high school. Um, because I had already been through so much shit, um, that no young person should ever have to carry with them into college. And so I called myself reinventing myself and that's who I was. And, um, I'm still extra as fuck, um, a lot more calm down now. Like, Mar, I don't even know if we would be friends if you would have met me when I was 18. We probably would have been friends, to be completely honest I don't honest know. With I you. feel like you would have been so, like, you probably, because I, the cycle of friendships for me, like, meeting new people then was like, oh my gosh, you're so outgoing and so engaging and you don't give a fuck. I want this. And then after a while being like, oh, so this never goes away. You Absolutely do not. not have an off switch. Oh, no, I do not. Cases. So, like, you you wake up at 10. You're never just at a 3 or a 4 and gradually, okay, this this doesn't end until you go to bed. And then that's when you would have swiftly found the exit. I have no doubt. And I wouldn't blame you. I, I don't believe that for a second. She's a lot. She was a lot. Um, but this was dope. Um yeah again just another moment of i feel like for me and you getting mm -hmm. to embrace the parts of ourselves that we as we have you know gotten up in years tried to stifle um to make other people comfortable child i'm not getting sick of worrying about other people's comfortability i'm getting okay tired Okay. Okay, y'all. So I have a special surprise for you guys. Uh, the last time Elena and I had um, letters to the first time that we fell in love, Elena swiftly called me out because I said that it was my dog who I had three years ago. And, um, you know, still kind of stand. I absolutely 100% stand by that because my dog is my everything. Um, 
but I recently moved and I'm with some family members and I found a lovely little journal um, from 2010 when your girl was in like 10th grade and uh, your girl had Fifi's back then. Yes. I don't know. I don't remember having these Fifi's. I don't remember ever having Fifi's, but that's probably just me and toning things out and trauma, and I, that's between me and my therapist. But I was like, damn, your girl was in love. So I am going to give you guys a special treat of love from me from 2010. Yes, I'm ready. And I want to let you guys know that in this journal, this entry is clearly written, but there are X's all over it. Like, I tried to cross them out. <clears throat> so you know where that ended. Alrighty. When I think of you, I imagine your smile and how it's as bright as the sun and can fill up my heart and keep cloudy days away. What I remember most is your eyes and how I've grown to love them and know your every emotion. How with your eyes you could speak loudly without saying a word. How they saw right through me and searched for who I could be. What I love is your lips. Soft, warm, easy to kiss, but the same lips that speak the words I love you with the smile and the gleam in your eyes. Lips that I long to speak certain words, to kiss, to miss. What I want most is your presence, your hug, your touch to make everything right. Fully figured and much taller than me, I see your smile, your eyes, your lips, you. My love for you grows more. You guys, oh, oh, that was a lot. I need to go wash my mouth out with soap. No, you don't. Oh, I love this. Y'all, Mariah is so crusty. So anytime I get any piece of this from her, I have to make her, you know, just feel extra awful about it. Yes. I'm sweating now. So sweet. This guy recording. cheated on me. I oh, no. I was just about to say, we need to stop recording so I can get the back story. God damn. He cheated on me. It's okay. No, it's um, not. I mean, got a girl pregnant. Oh. <laughs> Whatever. Oh. <gasps> All right, y'all. <laughs> that's, that's the end of that. Y'all are not getting any more feelings out of me for another, for a little while. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for listening. Thank y'all for listening to the ninth episode of Ghostlight Illuminating Black Artists. We are almost to 10 episodes. Yo, I can't we, even I believe it. I was just about to say, we gotta, we should, we gotta do something. We should do something special. It's we'll think episode. about it. We'll think about it. Yeah, if you, or if there's, or if y'all think of something special for us to do, you know. Please send it our way. And how can they find us, Elena? Honey, y'all can send it right on over to ghostlight.scripts at gmail.com or you can slide all up in our DMs um, on Instagram ghostlight underscore podcast that's right and if you want to find me personally my instagram is mara m-a-r-a-h dot williams twitter it's mara underscore williams yes and you can find me at it's elena walton all squished together all handles holla at your girl i am so all right as always an auntie way way of saying goodbye (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) As always, thank you so much for to Bo King for our opening music. And Ed Junior, the new ruler who helps us, you know, sound all good and stuff. Yes, mixtape coming out soon. Hey. Hey. Bye, y'all.